Hello, Real Life Families, Pastor Tim, and this is Mother's Day. So, happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there uh, who may be watching this, or if it's uh, if you're not a mother, make sure you reach out and uh, give a shout out to your mother today. So today, as we are um, celebrating Mother's Day, I, I want to celebrate family with you and talk about the importance of family. So let's pray together. God, I just thank you for this opportunity to to learn again and to grow from your word. And we invite your Holy Spirit right now to just speak to us, encourage us, and to help us to know what your will is for our lives. And I pray that this message is a blessing to us today uh, by your spirit. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah, so family, I want to talk about family today. And uh, really my title would be Why Family? Why Family? Why did God give us the gift of family? Uh, why did God structure our existence as humanity in the context of family and relationships? So I got three answers to that question, or yeah, yeah, kind of three different aspects of it I want to discuss with you as we, as we celebrate Mother's Day today and, and just celebrate the value that our family has uh, and help us to continue to be committed to our families, to realize um, the importance of our family, whether whatever your role is in the family right now, currently, that you you are um, important to the whole of that family, and we need to value um, you know our families because they're so critical and important to our success and also to God's design for our life. So the first statement I want to make is family is a reflection of God's nature. Um, we participate in God's nature when we are participating in family. What I mean by that is God's very nature is communal or familial. Um, and so we get this from the very first sentence in the Bible. In Hebrew, the first sentence in the Bible goes something like this. Bereshit bara Elohim et hashemayim ve'et ha'aretz. The first couple of words there, Bereshit means in the beginnings. Then it says Bereshit bara Elohim. Bara means he created, and Elohim is, is uh, referring to God, but it's a plural form of God. It almost would be technically, could be translated as gods, uh, but it, it is inferring that the God of the Bible is a singular God. He's a one God. And yet the dynamism of this translation is his name in this particular introduction is in a plural form. Now, some translators would say it's plural uh, to bring the intensification of God or the elevation of God uh, to make him more like, like higher. Okay. Um, but I kind of just get a kick out of the fact that it's plural and it's to me the first indication that there is a mystery to God, that he is plural yet singular. And so we see uh, as the scriptures unfold, even in the first chapter of the Bible, that there is God the Father, and then there is a Spirit of God, and then there is a Word of God. And later this Word of God we begin to know as Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is uh, described as the Word becoming flesh among us. And so we see that there is this uh, God who says he's one, but there's three different personas or 
uh, essences of his, of his being. Somehow he's one and yet he's three. It's the mystery of the Trinity that we, uh, we will never understand. <laughs> we'll never understand it, but we can't deny it. It's existence in the scriptures that God is revealing himself as three different functions, a father, a spirit, and a son. In the very first chapter, as I mentioned, uh, if we just look at it, you can see all three expressions of God right, in the, in, right, right off the bat. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness is over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So, we, so, so far we see in the beginning God, Elohim, God, the Father. And then we see in the Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we see in, in verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so we see God begin to speak. And so we see God the Father, God the Spirit, and then the words, which later in John we are told is Jesus. Um, so let's flip to John real quick as, uh, as we look at this very quickly. In John chapter 1, uh, verse 1, this is what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Verse 3, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Later in uh, verse, let's see, 14, says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 16, 17 says, From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So we see that Jesus is declared to be the Word of God that was in the beginning with God. So we have the Father, the Son, and we have that, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? Now, I say all that to say God's very nature is this plurality of uh, personas with um, singular purpose. Because the, the word for created in the very first verse would be translated technically as he created, not they created. If you have Elohim, plural gods, you would expect the verb to also be plural like they. So you'd think they gods created, but it's not. It's they gods he created. So you have a plurality of relationship, personas, essences of God, but a singular unified purpose. And we see that all throughout the scripture, that though God is Father, Son, and Spirit, there's only one purpose, and there's perfect unity and perfect fellowship within the Godhead, as we would say. The Godhead, these three different parts of God being revealed to us. And so God's very nature is community, relationships. He reveals himself to us as a father. He, he gives his son to us to bring us back into his family as well. And so everything about God's nature is family, uh, community, relationships with, with a singular purpose of unity, 
coming together in perfect unity. So Jesus said this in John 5. I said uh, in verse 19 to 20, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So we see Jesus only doing what the father is showing him to do. And also in John 14, verses 16 to 17, Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's the Son of God. He's saying, I'm going to ask the Father to give you the Spirit. So you see Jesus asking the Father, there's the Father, he's the Son, to give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And so all of Jesus' ministry was Jesus, the Son, was empowered by the Spirit to do the will of the Father. And it's the same for you and for me, that God wants you to be empowered by the Spirit to do the will of God. And Jesus is the one who makes that possible. So he restores us into relationship with him. So again, all this just to say that the very nature of God is this unity among uh, the, the relationships and the fellowship of his own person. He demonstrates it. It's his very nature. It's his very nature. And so the Bible says in Genesis 1.27 that we're created in God's image. So we're created in this image, in, in not just the image of God, but the image or of, of his nature to experience relationships and to, to pursue unity of purpose uh, and to experience the fullness of this fellowship with God and with one another. Um, and so it says here, God created man in his own image. <clears throat> in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we get a sense that a male and a female are different. And we know they're different. Okay, but you know, the scripture says God created us in his image, but there's two different expressions of that. There's a male and there's a female, and they're different. And, and yet, the very first thing we see happen in the scriptures is that this male and this female come together in unity, right? The two image bearers of God combine into one, and we call that marriage. So the two image bearers of God unite together in marriage, and they reproduce life and have children, this is the family. This is how God designed human life to be. Two different image bears, male and female, coming together in unity, and then also in the image of God, reproducing life, creating life. Wow, it's remarkable. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But for now, just I want you to see the idea that we're designed to be together and experience this relationship and this family unit just like God himself has within his own nature. God designed us for that, and we need each other. So there's the husband, the wife, and the marriage is meant to have a third component, which is the Holy Spirit. The husband, the wife, and the Holy Spirit bringing unity together, producing life and producing the image of God on the earth, just like God has. Wow, what a privilege. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24, the Bible says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, 
and they will become one flesh. <clears throat> so moving forward, what happens is families are constantly being created. Okay, so uh, pretty soon in a month, my daughter uh, is going to leave our family and she is going to get married to a man and those two are going to form a new family. Of course, there's roots connected to, to us and to his family and you know there's a legacy there and we're still family, right? But in the eyes of God, they're also beginning a new family. They're both leaving their, their households, their fathers and their mothers, and they're joining together to form a new family. And so that's how God designed it to be. But the family unit is to reflect God's nature of plurality of personas while maintaining singularity of purpose. And this is the purpose of marriage. We see it in this verse that the two shall become one. The purpose of marriage is to experience the intimacy of the unity that's possible that God wants us to have, that we are not alone, we're never meant to be alone. Um, even in our marriage and in our families, there's to be this bond of unity that uh, overcomes all other barriers, right? And so that's the goal of our marriage. That's the goal of the body of Christ. That's the goal of our family is to strive for and maintain and, and get something called unity and keep it, keep it. Now, just as a side note, there's two very clear creation principles that are stated here uh, with regards to family that have been attacked by our fallen culture. And if they're not already obvious to you, I just want to state them very clearly. Number one, that God made females and he made males. The Bible clearly states that there are only two genders. This is the biblical creation. This is how we were made. God made us male and female. All other claims are coming from the results of a fallen, broken, depraved, confused, dark, and sinful world. The second very clear uh, creation principle here is that marriage is between a male and a female. When these two genders come together in marriage and pledge their life to one another, they have the capacity now to multiply and be fruitful and to procreate life. And that's God's design. That is what marriage is, according to the Bible. Marriage is a male and a female coming together uh, in perfect unity and procreating and having children and having a family. That's God's design. So God designed a family to consist of a husband and a wife having children together. Family is a reflection of God's nature. Okay, the second statement I want to make is that family is the learning center for God's love. God is love and everything about God is about love and the family is the learning center God put us in to learn how to love. The marriage is the greatest um, loving challenge you know, on, on the face of the earth. Um, it teaches us what true love looks like if we stay with it long enough, if we can get our degree you know, from, the, from this learning center, from the university of love, which is marriage and family. This is where um, you learn to love because you're taking all these courses, right? So I think of it as a university and the syllabus of the curriculum that, that we go through when we get married and when we have kids and we have a family. So here are some of the classes that, um, that we are enrolled in right now, right? The class of forgiveness. 
You know, it's like in the, in the midst of everyday life, in the midst of a marriage and children uh, and all the challenges that we face, we learn how to forgive even when we don't feel like it. We have to. We have to learn how to forgive, right? If our family is going to stay together, if our marriage is going to stay together, we have to learn how to forgive. This is a class of love that we need to pass. Another class is unconditional love. Loving when the other hasn't earned it or deserves it. So how do you learn these things? Well, you learn how to love someone unconditional when they actually don't deserve your love, you know? When they're not behaving right, when they're not doing the right things, when they're not meeting your expectations. That's when you learn how to love unconditionally. And you can't do that outside of the family, outside of marriage and, and having children. You can't do that. That's why God gives us the family to teach us the depths of His love for us, to also experience that kind of love from Him, but also to be able to learn how to love the way He loves us. How about the class of grace? Learning how to let a lot of things go and to give the benefit of the doubt. We, we need to continue to take that class and, and work on that grade, right? To be able to be gracious with one another. How about the class of perseverance? To never give up on one another when the going gets tough. And God never gives up on us. It's one of the um, descriptions of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that love never gives up. Love always perseveres. And so how do you learn how to persevere when uh, you're facing difficulties and challenges? Uh, that's how you learn that, right? In the family, in your marriage. How about the class of patience? <laughs> Holding on to your sanity and your tongue during times of frustration. God wants us to learn how to be patient, to show that type of love. Love is patient. And we, we only learn that when we're forced to practice it. How about compassion? The class of compassion, offering mercy, a listening ear, a heart that cares. These things are things that most of us see in our mothers, right? We see um, the nurturing love, the patience, the grace, the forgiveness, the unconditional love, the perseverance, and, and we see the compassion in our mothers, right? But that... That is, um, that's not just because they're a mother, but because they're choosing to love. And we, we're all learning how to love better. And that's why God gives us the family. It's why we can't give up on the family. It's why we can't give up on one another. Because actually, it's not always about what the other person's doing or not doing. It's about what God wants to do in you and in me. He wants to teach us how to have compassion for one another, how to love one another, how to have patience with one another, not to give up on each other, learn how to forgive, learn how to be gracious as he has been to us, right? That's why I say family is a learning center for God's love. Here's a couple others real quick. Mentoring, how to train, encourage, and launch your children into success. Or the class of trust, fostering trust, repairing trust, giving trust to one another. But really the ultimate uh, graduate level class, <laughs> you know, in the learning center of love is the class of dying to self. Dying to self, giving your life away for the benefit of others. Your family, your spouse starts at home before it can come really into any sort of um, real effect upon people outside of our home. It has to be in our marriage. It has to be 
with our children, it has to be in our family, right? That we're willing to die to ourselves, to give ourselves away. That's the ultimate level of love that God wants you to learn. And so he gives us marriage and he gives us family to teach us how to love. And he puts us into the family of God, the fellowship of believers, the church, to also learn how to love one another. And so God does this on purpose because God is all about love and love is action. And love is something that has to come from us not to us. We need to have the love of God come through us, but then we need to learn how to love like God has loved us because we're created in his image. So that's my second point. Number one, family is a reflection of God's nature. So it's incredibly important. We can't get away from it. We need it. And it's by design for us to experience that unity of purpose together with one another. But secondly, family is the learning center for the most important lesson in life. And that is to love. And so God puts us in family and marriage and in family to learn how to love, to learn how who he is and, and to reflect his image on the earth. And the third is that family is the laboratory of life. This is incredible to me that God gives us the capacity to create life. I mean, we know life comes from God, but he puts that capacity into uh, a married couple. A man and a woman joining together and they can have a child. They can have children. What, a gr- what an incredible, great privilege and honor to be able to procreate, to create life in the image of God. And that God gives us that gift and he gives us that blessing. And so family is the laboratory of life. And God said this in Genesis 1.28. He said, God blessed them, the man and the woman, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, <clears throat> fill the earth and subdue it. And so God's mandate to creation, to man and women, men and women, is to get married and have babies. I mean, that's be fruitful, increase, and, uh, and rule this world in my nature and in my character and spread my glory on this creation. And so this is at the core of humanity uh, is to have family, to have children. So I just want to talk about um, children a little bit and how important family is. And I just want to just encourage you that if you're raising kids or grandkids right now, which most of us are, that it is worth all of your greatest effort. And I want to encourage you, give you a couple of, uh, you know, just a couple of things that my wife and I have tried to do that we felt like uh, we want to pass on as well, some, some tips maybe. But what, what the importance of what we are doing is so incredible. And on this Mother's Day, it's great to be rem- reminded of the value of our mothers, our grandmothers, and our fathers and grandfathers, but especially our mothers and grand- grandmothers today in all the ways that they are building <clears throat> up our families, pouring into their children and their grandchildren, and it is so valuable, so important. A couple of studies uh, have shown, many, most studies have shown this, that, that a healthy family is the key to a successful life. A healthy family, a family that stays together, a family that's honoring God, that's strong in God, uh, is a key to successful life for children. A happy, healthy family benefits you emotionally, physically, and mentally. 
From a healthy family, a child would be more likely to be successful to navigate and form meaningful future relationships. A healthy family made up of good parenting is found to be associated with better emotional regulation, obedience, academic performance, social competence, and resilience. A good family tradition fosters adolescents' sense of identity and promotes self-esteem in them. And a strong family is absolutely one of the strongest predictors of life satisfaction at every stage of a person's life, at every age level. Um, <clears throat> the, the strength of the family uh, will result in a healthier, uh, more satisfying life at every age throughout your life. To have family around you, to have a committed family around you, a loving family, a strong family, a unified family. And so, just want to encourage you, and for children, the Bible has this amazing promise. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Um, so, so, Paul in Ephesians is kind of summarizing this Ten Commandment, you know, one of the Ten Commandments here. When he says this in Ephesians 6, 1, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So that's how Paul summarizes this commandment. And so here's the deal for children. And even if you're an older child like I am, you know, what does it mean to honor your mother and your father? Well, basically, if you are benefiting uh, by obeying your mother and father, the Bible says when you obey your mother and father and you listen to their counsel and you follow their advice and you, and you uh, hold on to the good from their modeling and their teachings and you listen to them and you obey them, okay, all the good things that they're trying to do for us, the Bible says then it will go well with you and you will live a long life. That's an incredible promise. So many people just try to go their own way, right? Chuck uh, the authorities in their lives, their parents, coaches, teachers, um, whatever. And they, I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to decide my own truth. Well, that's not wise at all. The Bible gives us parents for a reason. And, uh, and so when the parents are modeling God's decrees and righteousness and, and raising us in those ways, when you listen and obey those, it will go well with you, okay? So keep that in mind. But for parents, I just wanted to share a couple of what I would consider family builder tips, like things that we can continue to do. Um, and uh, some of these things, you know, me and Amy, we have five kids. Um, our oldest, I think, is 23 right now. Our youngest is 12. Uh, we have four kids, uh, two, three of them, two of them just graduated with uh, four-year degrees. One of them just graduated with an associate's degree and con continuing on. Uh, so our kids are, are uh, just on the brink, like I said. One of them's getting married in, in a month, and, and uh, we have one in seventh grade. So we've, we've, we've kind of gone through a lot of these, these periods of life with our kids. And uh, we, haven't, we haven't done anything perfect, but a couple things we, want, we have done that uh, we think have uh, really worked out well, we want to share with you. One is, uh, you know, we, we've always tried to love and discipline with a balanced approach. 
You know, if you have no discipline um, in your home and you only love them, but there's no discipline, there's no structure, there's no accountability, um, that, that leads to some real spoiled kids, right? And a disrespect for authority. And if you have only discipline and you don't have love, that, that leads to a real hard heart in, in a child. So you need to have both. You need to have always love, but you got to have accountability. You got to have godly rules and principles in your home that you hold strong to because kids need consistency in their life. So, you know, make sure that the structure that you have with your children are godly principles and that you stick with them, but you're always loving and working through issues with the kids. And I always would say this, that it's more important to win the heart than it is to win an argument. And so we need to find out why uh, what's going on in the heart of our children. Why are they thinking this? Why are they saying that? Why are they doing that? That's more important than the actual action itself. It's getting to the heart and finding out what's going on on the inside. I remember one time one of my children was misbehaving quite a bit, being very mean and hurtful to others in our family. And uh, at first my reaction was to get mad and to discipline and to, you know, uh, just drop the hammer on, on this child. But that wasn't working. It was only making it worse. And because I didn't, at that time, didn't realize how important it was to get to the heart of the matter. And so after some time, uh, that came to my wife and I. I think my wife was helping me see that and God was helping me see that. And so then I started going after the heart and we had a major breakthrough. And it changed everything, changed everything. Changed my attitude, changed uh, their attitude, and we began to see some real progress. When we got to the, uh, we had that type of conversation, which is my second point, is communication. Is talking with our children and talking with our family and being honest and real about things. And getting to what really is important, not just the surface stuff. One of the things that we used to do as a family is we used to try to really value eating dinner together. And we'd have dinner together, even though it's really busy, it's hard to do that, I know, but there is something so significant about having dinner together, and many studies have even pointed this fact out, that having dinner together as a family uh, creates such a healthy environment. Because for us, what we would do is we'd go around the table while we're eating, and we'd just say, okay, we want the high and low of your day, or we want something that stood out to your day, and you know, what was your favorite part of the day? What was, your, what was the hardest thing of your day? And just giving that little time to, to, you know, decompress and talk about and process our day gave us a chance to see what was going on and celebrate things or work through things or encourage somebody with something or celebrate a small accomplishment that someone had. And it just kept us together as a family. And it was a great practice that we had to have dinner together and to just talk about our day and share with each other. Everybody had to participate. Nobody could uh, pass, right? Everybody had to say something good about your day or something challenging that you, you overcame or something that you dealt with. Another thing that we always really focused on is quality time with our kids. My wife did a great job of reading with, her, with our kids at night. She worked through a whole book series with them and would just take time to be with them, <clears throat> you know, reading with them. We played a lot of games. We'd had a lot of family game nights. We just announced tonight's a family game night, you know, and then we'd pick a game or two and we'd play as a family and just spend time together, you know, uh, that, that was face to face. You know, putting the phones away, <clears throat> the computers away, all the social stuff away, 
and just having fun together. That is so important. Uh, another thing I want to pass on to you is uh, one of the things that we do in our family, I mention this once in a while, is every time we have a birthday, we do something called affirmations. And so if it was my birthday, for instance, you know, we'd always have a dinner together and then everybody would go around and would share uh, something about what, what they would appreciate about me and what they love about me or a memory of me. And so we do this every single birthday for every single person in our family. And everybody uh, says something to that person about, you know, hey, I, I love how you're always like this. Or I remember when we used to do that together and that meant a lot to me. Or I, I see these qualities in you. Or I, I think that, you know, you have more in you. And this year I want to challenge you to think about trying this or doing that. And so we do that every birthday. We do it for Mother's Day, for Father's Day. Um, we, we also take time at Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving to have a little talk to, not to each other, but just about the season, about God, about what this means. And those have been really special moments, just taking a time out, getting real, you know. Um, and at first I didn't know if this was going to work because I'm like, man, this is hard to like just uh, not be surfacy and just to really be serious, but in a really healthy way. But it, it didn't take very long at all for us to, to establish that rhythm. And it's just been a blessing to us. So I highly encourage you to consider doing that uh, for your family, okay? And everyone participates. <laughs> Again, everybody's a part of the family, right? The other couple of things I just wanna throw out there is family vacations have been a big deal for us. Uh, we have so many wonderful memories together, and I'd encourage you to have family vacations, to take time out of the busyness of life, and to do things on purpose together to have fun. Family vacations. And also, Amy and I, you know, we've always really tried our very best to attend as many of our kids' activities, to be a part of their life. I remember coaching my kids in soccer when they are little, coaching them in cross country and track, just trying to be a part of their lives and a part of those moments are just so important to our kids. And the other thing I want to throw out there is that we try to establish a few traditions. And I, we found out the older our kids get, the more important those traditions have become to them. It creates stability, predictability, and just momentum throughout the year. They know what we're going to be doing around Christmas time. They know what we're going to be doing for Thanksgiving. They know what we're going to be doing for Easter. They know that we're going to be going on a family vacation to Florida. You know, they, they know these rhythms and it just creates stability and joy and just momentum for them uh, to, to have some of these, these traditions and these uh, anchor points you know, throughout their life. And so I want to encourage you to think about those types of things. I think they have really added a lot to our family experience. And uh, if you have some time to talk to me, if you've got some young kids, uh, one of the best things I ever did was came up with a little plan uh, for our kids so that when they turn 13, 16, when they graduate high school, they graduate college, and when they get married, we have five special moments in each kid's life that we try to make really special by doing some special things with them in those moments to teach them some principles from God's Word and to uh, celebrate their life and their accomplishments. But that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother time. But as I wrap this up, I just want to uh, share with you probably the most, to me, important passage of Scripture for raising our kids. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Listen to these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. So those first two verses are probably the greatest parenting tip uh, that any one of us could ever receive. And it is this, to live your life as, as a model and as an example to your children that your life uh, is real and authentic in, in your faith in God. So the first one is, it all starts with you and me. It starts with my heart. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Bible says that uh, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your heart. So the best way to parent kids is to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to have the word of God upon our hearts and for our heart to be loving God in front of our children, like day one day at a time in real life, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the greatest parenting tip I could give you is to be on fire for God, to be loving God with your heart, to have his words on your heart, to be touched by God yourself. That's the greatest parenting tip right there is for you and I to be alive in God, to be submitted to God, to be living out his word, right? But the second goes on to say in verse seven, impress them, the commandments of God, impress them on your children. Now this word is like the word that a, uh, would be used to say a potter is impressing upon the clay, its will, it's forming it, it's shaping it. And as parents, we are to intentionally impress upon our children the way of God and the word of God, the truth of God. We aren't supposed to be passive and let the culture um, have its way with our children's minds. We are to be impressing upon our children God's truth because we have the truth. We are to show them and press upon them, not, not in a, a negative way, but in a positive way. This is who you are. This is who God is. This is the Christian worldview. Um, this is why you're alive. This is what your purpose in life is. This is what it means to be in, in the family of God. You know, So we're pressing this into our kids. The Bible goes on to say, talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So in other words, demonstrate your faith and discuss your faith in your daily life, right? This is just a part of our life. This isn't, oh, we go to church one, one day a week and then we talk about God and then the rest of the week we just live our life. No, that's not, that's not an authentic relationship with God. You know, a real, authentic, meaningful relationship with God it, you know, is a part of your everyday life and your everyday decisions and your everyday integrity and character and morality, Right? So it is the way that we live life. And so while we're living it, we're talking to our kids about it. We're showing them, hey, this is why I do this. This is why I do this. Did you notice this? This is who God is. Wow, what a beautiful day. And we're talking about God and his principles and his truth all the time. So it starts with us. We impress these things upon our kids. And it's everyday life that we do this in. We don't just have a couple of moments throughout the week where we're godly. <laughs> we live a godly life before our kids. This is how you parent your kids successfully. And then I want to finish by saying this. It says, tie them, let's talk about the commandments of God, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we got hands, heads, and houses. <laughs> so what does this mean? Quite simply, your hands. How you do 
uh, how and what you do should be determined by God's word. Okay? Your hands. Everything that you do should be influenced by God's righteous word, his righteous decrees, his justice. Your head, how and what you believe and what you think and how you speak, all of that should be determined by God's word. So whatever you do, whatever you think, what you believe should all be influenced by God's word. And then it says, put it on the gates of your homes, your houses, how you live, how your daily life, how you live in your daily life. What does that look like? It should be determined by God's word. So your whole life, what you do, how you think, what you say, your attitudes, what you believe, how you're living a daily life should be in accordance with God's word. And that's the greatest uh, parenting tips you'll ever get right there is to live it every day, to be alive in God, to be serving God, to be intentional about showing your kids why you're living the way you're living, why you're doing what you're doing, uh, why you think and believe what you think and believe. As you impress that upon your kids and as you live it out one day at a time, God is going to bless your family and you'll be building a legacy of life. So today I just want to close by praying a blessing on all of our mothers and our grandmothers. And I just want to encourage everybody who's watching, make an investment in your family. Do not give up on your family and recommit to building your family and playing your role in your family. It is God's building block. It is his way for all of us to prosper and be successful. And at every stage in life, the, 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 even the science and the studies say that you will be way more happier and satisfied with life if you are a part of a strong, healthy family. And if you don't have a strong, healthy family in the natural, and there's not a whole lot that you can do about it, that's, that's also one of the blessings of being a part of real life, being a part of this family of God, because you can, you can have a spiritual family too that cares for you, that you can care for, that you can be a part of, and can be a part of your life, and we need that. And so I encourage you to pursue the family of God, not just your natural family, but also the family of God. We need each other. So now I just want to pray a blessing. Let me uh, just pray for you. If you're a mother or grandmother, Lord, I just thank you for the anointing that you have given each one to be a mother and a grandmother. Today, Lord, I pray that you bless them. You, you bless this mother, this grandmother right now. God, with fresh energy, fresh strength, uh, inspired wisdom, Lord, for every situation right now that she's facing, Lord, I just pray that you uh, remind her that you are with her. And I pray a release of your strength, a release of your insight, a release of your energy, a release of hope, perseverance, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy. Lord, bless her with everything that she needs for continuing to pour her life into her children and her grandchildren. We are so thankful, Lord, for our mothers, our grandmothers, for the legacy of love, mercy, compassion, nurturing, protection that they have given to us. We thank you for the gift of our mothers, Lord, and we pray that you just bless them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me pray the, the Lord's blessing on all of us now and hope that you have a great day and a great uh, week of celebrating your family. So now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, 
and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen.